0: Good morning, turning your copy of God's Word or in your devices to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 14. Uh, We are, uh, if you're using the pew Bible that's in front of you, you can use that if you want to follow along in the translation that I am doing, using, excuse me, reading from. Uh, It is page 1055, 1055, way down at the bottom right column at the very bottom and we'll go into the next page as you're turning there i just want to say real quickly i'm thankful uh, that my bride is with the bride of christ today she's been uh she's over here turning shades of red Uh, she's been not here able to come for five weeks one for vacation and the rest four or five weeks by children or herself being sick And so I'm glad that she's here. It's good to see her. And then we're just thankful because uh, many of you have been praying for her dad and uh, really just a miracle of the Lord. Um, He had a horrible boating accident uh, through that boating accident. Uh, This goes to show, you know, we're worried and scared, but we see that the Lord's hand is on him. Uh, because in the full body scan they found an aortic aneurysm that they wouldn't have found any other way that could have burst just like that in the next two to five years and him he would have died Uh, but we see that God's hand is over uh, all things and even in the darkest days God is is protecting us and with us and so we're thankful uh, for that. Uh, Today we are going to continue on our series uh, that Uh, we are looking at what kind of legacy that we might bring or leave to the next generation of believers. That the gospel has come to us. He has has saved us. He has formed a church. He has formed believers that we get the privilege of being in life together with. And and, and in so doing so, uh, that we know that we have a legacy now that we've been entrusted to leave. One of the gospel and of faithfulness and of serving the Lord. And we've looked at all of these ways that we must identify those things. And today, we're going to be challenged by Paul as he challenges Timothy to be workers who are approved by God. And so let's begin reading uh, from verse 14 um, of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly approved teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will not produce excuse me, will produce even more godlessness, and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Turn away from wickedness. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes, because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must, be, must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will." Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word, and we are thankful because it challenges us in areas that we know we need challenging. It encourages us in the areas that we know that we needed that encouragement. And God, we know that your word is where we can stand and that we will not fail. So Lord, as we come to your word, we pray, God, that you would change us as we come and meet with it together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen just uh, about a week ago or so i had a friend that i knew back in high school who uh, competed in one of those um, reality show competitions it's the one where it's a uh, it's a cover band and uh, the person the lead singer dresses up like the person that they're mimicking and uh, has to sing the songs and they get judged and then they win at the end against a, another band and, and uh, you know, he, he did awesome, I, was, uh, I thought he sang great. Uh, the judges though, kind of sniffed at him on a lot of things and I was just thinking to myself, I can't imagine um, taking that criticism for something he had worked so hard for. Uh, and not, it, they weren't cruel, but it was just to the point and direct. And uh, as a friend, I was sitting there saying, oh boy, that's. That's, that's really harsh. That's, uh, I wouldn't have said that to them. But you know, it, it reminds me that in many ways we subject ourselves to the judgment of others or to the approval of others. And unbeknownst to us, we know that we think about how we dress, what we say, what we do to a certain degree that we are seeking the approval of someone else. But when we look at the Bible, it tells us that when we fall into the trappings of seeking the approval of man other than God, everything gets disoriented. We start doing it for the wrong reasons, in the wrong ways, anxieties rise, and we we fail in a lot of ways. But what does the scripture tell us? That we should do all things to whom? The glory of God. And Paul reiterates this to us, that we as God's people, should not be seeking approval from others, but from God. Here in verse fifteen he says that we should be diligent to present our yourself to God as one approved. What He is saying to Timothy is, first of all, you need to make sure that in your ministry and in your life and in your dealings, that you are living a life as one who has been saved by grace and that is approved by God. That there is the challenge that we are saved, but that we live in a way showing and wanting the approval of God. But also, he went even further Because, he said, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Paul goes further to say that we are to be a worker for the Lord. One unashamed. Now, this is a term that is not new to us. Paul just said in the previous passage that we should be like soldiers and and farmers, and we should be uh, diligent unto the Lord. And now he's saying that we should be workmen, that we should be workers, in this way, we know that Jesus said, uh, in the Gospels, that he said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Paul is telling Timothy that his task of being a pastor and an elder is arduous but productive labor. Grinding out hard gains is going to take a while, but as stewards of the gospel, that we should present our work in a way that is uh, uh, bringing our best to him. You know, a skilled workman. Some of you are workers in, 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 in the arts and, or in crafts or uh, uh, with woodworking or uh, building things. And when at the end, I know from talking to many of you, At the end, you want the finest product because it displays your work to the world. You want it to be approved. In the same way that we who are all workmen of the Lord that are serving him, sharing the gospel, making disciples, that we should be bringing our work to the Lord for him to be approved, that we wouldn't be considering that we've cut quarters, that we've done shoddy work, that we have come to him wanting to know that we have been approved by him. Now here is the message of the gospel, that we know that it is in this that we don't seek this approval for salvation. This is not that we are seeking God's approval that we might get saved or that we might be chosen, or that we might be looked over. Instead, we who are God's people get to rest in the work that even when I do flub, even when I do mess up, and even when I bring my rubbish to God, he still loves me. But that still gives me the desire as God's child to please him and to serve him. And to give him my best. And there's no different than what God calls uh, every believer to do and whatever God has called you to do. Whether you're a teacher or whether you're a worker in the, in the workplace, if you're a stay-at-home mom, a preacher of the gospel, whatever it is, you are to bring your best to give to the Lord to give him glory. Amen. And that you might Seek approval to him of your work. Would you say today that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, that you are striving to be a faithful worker of the Lord? Would you say that you're seeking to glorify God in all aspects of your life? Well, brothers and sisters, when Paul speaks to Timothy, we may look in this passage, and there are three characteristics that define workers' approved by God this as I I think through this there is a a message that worker approved by God there is the right message there is the right vessel and there is the right way or the right delivery and how do we do this well number one God's workers correctly handle God's word God's workers correctly handle God's word. This is the delivery of the right message. In verse 14 through 19, we see, beginning verse 15, when he says, "Um, Be diligent to present yourself as God, one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them and have departed from the truth, saying the resurrection had already taken place and are ruining the faith for some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Well, we see here that first we see the approved workman or the worker rightly handles the word of God. Well, that term uh, is a Greek term, orthomeo, which means to cut straight without deviation. That workers are to, uh, in this context, maybe stone workers cut straight or roads that are cut straight. Those farmers who cut straight the plows and rows that we know that they are to do it well and into the right way. We get the uh, uh, current words of orthodontist, who realign teeth, or orthodoxy, which is right teaching. We see in this that those who teach or the belief or the right aligns with scripture to the historic Christian faith. In context, though, Paul is helping. Timothy, be reminded that you are to teach the full counsel of God and to rightly teach the full counsel of God, but also that you are to make sure that you are rightly pointing to the gospel that saves. If you look and see what the false teachers were proclaiming, that the resurrection had already happened, there was this belief that the separation of soul and body, that the body was bad and that. The resurrection had already happened and and that you don't have to understand or know the resurrection and and all of this stuff. And and Paul says these are corrupting people from the faith, that their teaching was spreading like gangrene. Some of you who are nurses know how fierce and, and contagious that can be. This false teaching, Paul says, that the approved workman, however, rightly cuts God's word that teaches it, is able to understand all the scripture, but ultimately must be able to understand and proclaim the true gospel that brings salvation and faith to those who hear and believe. Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 says, in him, you also were sealed with the purchase of the Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and when you believed. That's important that you hear the word and understand that God brings about salvation through your hearing that you believe. That means that when we proclaim or share the gospel, that it is vital that we are cutting it straight that we don't confuse the gospel, that we don't produce a false gospel, that we don't put something out there that someone can't hear to believe on Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Have you, as a follower of Jesus, diligently spent time to either disciple yourself or be discipled by someone else, that you can use your Bible to explain the scriptures to someone, that you can sit down across a table at at a coffee shop or in your home or at McDonald's or at Chick-fil-A or wherever and share God's word and help them through problems in their life, maybe doctrinal errors that they've slipped into, ways that they can fit the whole story of the Bible together. Have you spent time to be able to rightly understand God's word. Can you in a few sentences explain the gospel to someone? When we think about the gospel, many people will say many different things, but brothers and sisters, it's not about works or church or service or charity. Only who, that we speak of the God who saves in sending his son, Jesus Christ, that we may share him so that others may respond. This gospel that we can say that it is God himself who saw us in our sin, that we through our sin have been separated from God. Though we, his creation, we know that we belong to him and yet in our sin have been separated from him. But God, before time, set out a plan to save us through his son, Jesus Christ, that he, fully God, fully man, came to earth who was perfect, who lived and yet died on the cross in our place dying for our sin, and then raised to life three days later. It is this Jesus that the Bible says that if you repent of your sins and believe on him, you will be saved. This is good news, because you can go from death to life in an instant when you believe on Christ. Brothers and sisters, we must be careful that we can proclaim and teach the gospel. But in verse 16, Paul also gives us this. we got to keep reading here. Avoid irreverent and empty speech. Paul is reminding us here that we don't get sidetracked in conversations to be pigeonholed Uh, away from the gospel away from the truth that we would get be distracted by the moments and the fleeting uh beliefs of our time that we should keep cutting it straight to the gospel Uh, i'm concerned that too many american christians have found soap boxes to find themselves on that they are willing to die for the soap box and not for the message of jesus christ that they allow other things and other topics to distract from the gospel, the one that saves. And I believe that we must stand on God's word and stand on the gospel and proclaim the gospel that saves. Now look, based on our statement of faith and, and my understanding of scriptures, there's a couple ways that could that someone could, could describe Sean Dobbins. That they would say, well, he's orthodox Christian. He he believes in the faith that was once delivered from the saints. He believes in the things that Christians have believed for 2,000 years, that that, that we understand the same God, the same Christ, the one born of a virgin, the one uh, who has died for our sins, that, that we stand for the teachings that we know are forever to be true. Some might look to Sean Dobbins and say that he's he's evangelical he believes in certain things he believes in the the, the truth of the Bible that sometimes the title of evangelical evangelical doesn't mean as much anymore but the way I understand or we would believe that that we would say that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ Christ is true is the only means for salvation that the Bible is truth without any mixture of error that we should be sold out to the Great Commission that we might uh, share the gospel that others might believe. Some might call me a Baptist. Well, why? Because I'm in a Baptist church. But, but more than that, because I believe that the the that baptism is not a salvific mode. That instead, that it is our saving faith in Christ that brings us to salvation. That it is baptism that is an act of obedience that shows the world that I am saved. And in the same way with Lord's Supper, it's not an act of me gaining salvation or gaining closeness to Christ. Instead, it is my, my uh, outward faith showing on display. You know, 504 years ago today, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, decrying the false beliefs and teachings of the Catholic Church. And he rang the bell for all the church, but for all of of Christians to return to a faith that is based on uh, scripture alone, that it comes through grace alone, that comes on faith alone in Jesus Christ alone to the glory of God alone. But yet as a Baptist, I know that I am the part of the reformation that keeps reforming, that I've taken the ball and to keep on going to go back to the scriptures and go back to the faith and understanding that salvation comes through grace alone. And in the broad, broad spectrum of Christianity, many people would probably sit back and say, you know, Sean Dobbins is probably that is that conservative Christian guy. He's a conservative Christian guy. And many people would amen it. And many people would oh know it. And many people would have a lot of things to say about it. And I might even believe that I'm pretty right about all of those things. But here's the thing that I have to guard my own heart and we have to guard our hearts. It's not about pigeonhole beliefs and pigeonhole things that I think or I might think is right. It's about whether I believe and that I proclaim that Jesus Christ is the only savior of the world. It is by in him and only him can one be saved. God will not let me into heaven because I'm a conservative Christian or that I have a right political view, or that I have any other things that I think might be right. Because all of those things, some matter very much. I agree that the Bible speaks on a lot of those things. But yet, the Bible speaks to say that we must cut straight to Jesus, to cut a straight path to Jesus to cut a straight point, to hear, to tell Jesus that they can be saved by him and him alone. Are those things important? Yes, but we can't be distracted by empty talk that would distract us from the main thing and the main message of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said, What is the right way then to handle the word of truth? It is like a sword. It was not meant to be played with. It's not rightly to to handle the gospel. It, It must be used in earnest and pushed home. Are you converted, my friends? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Are you saved or not? Swords are meant to cut and hack and wound and kill with. And the word of truth is for pricking men in the heart and killing their sin. The word of God is not committed to God's ministers to amuse men with its glitter or to charm them with its jewels and its hilt, but to conquer their souls for Jesus. brother and sister, we must guard ourselves that we don't get distracted from beliefs that we agree with, arguing about those that we don't, Worldly ideas in politics, worldly ideas of the day that we cut straight to the gospel of Jesus Christ and be about the business of calling people to be saved. We must carry as approved workmen the right message. Secondly, God's workers are clean vessels. Clean vessels, verse 20 to 23. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also of wood and clay, some of honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work, flee from youthful passions, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels." We must understand that God's workers must be understood as being the right vessels. Paul uses an illustration of daily life. He says that in, uh, the, in their culture, they understood that in, in large homes or well-to-do homes, that there are items within it that are deemed valuable or those that are not. Maybe the best way for us to understand it is when we know we've got those those really nice fine china things that we only bring out when other people are around, you know, those things that we bring out and lay out to the table to to impress and to dine with, You you know, we don't let our kids eat on those. We don't let our clumsy husbands eat on those, right, wives? We, we save those for the best of the best. These are valuable because we, we want to bring honor to the people that have come to the home. We want to show them, and these are, these are precious vessels that, that bring out the food, that they're not only pretty, but, you know, really, they're covered with food. Come on. You can't really even see what's on them. But we know that Paul is using this illustration to compare That there were honorable, those who are being able to be used by God and those who are dishonorable. He's really comparatively using the false teachers in the church and those who are preaching the gospel rightly. He's saying, obviously, that it's important for us to handle the word of truth and to not get up, caught up in false teaching or find, because we could find ourselves not able to even be used by the Lord because we have messed up the vessels. We have messed up ourselves because we're proclaiming the wrong truth or the false gospel or because of that wrong doctrine living in an unrighteous way. This is a very stern warning and a, a reminder to us that those who are used and able to be used by Lord, these, these are people who have been set apart. They've been set apart from the world or the love of the world. They have been purifying themselves, he says in this passage, that these are people with sound doctrine who cut straight the word and who understand, but they purify themselves so that they may be Ready to be used by God. We know, brothers and sisters, that sound doctrine must go together with holy living. And Paul is connecting the two here because he knows that if we are to, even if our message is right, but our life is in sin or opposite of it, we've ruined the message, we've ruined what it says that in the same way that we must guard ourselves from being hypocritical, because if we say we believe in God's word, we stand on God's word, this is the right way, and our life is in total disagreement with it, then who can believe that message? So, brothers and sisters, the challenge that Paul is saying to Timothy and to us today is that we must make sure that we have the right character and the right doctrine that they can align. And if they do, brothers and sisters, imagine how God can use you. Imagine what God can do through you, that God can use this worker to do great things. Robert Murray Machane said this when he was speaking to one of his students. He said, I know you will apply hard to German, but do not forget the culture of the inner man. I mean of the heart. How diligently the Calvary officer keeps his saber clean and sharp. Every stain he rubs off with the greatest care. Remember, you are God's sword, his instrument. I trust a chosen vessel unto him to bear his name. In great measure, according to the purity and perfection of the instrument will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses, so much as likeness To Jesus, a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Brothers and sisters, think of this. If your life is a holy vessel, imagine the instrument that God can use you to bring hope to the weary, to to bring light to those in darkness. To share Jesus with those who are far from him. But if you as an instrument of God are not pure, not righteous, then brothers and sisters, how can that message shine through? But here's this good news wrapped in here, this challenge. I love that Paul goes back and forth from challenge to hope. That he says uh, in verse, um, uh, let's see. Verse 21, so if anyone purifies himself of anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument. Brothers and sisters, first of all, we know that we get purified through our hope in Jesus Christ. The good news, if you find yourself today saying, you know what, I'm as dirty as that tool that I shoved in the back of my garage and haven't used in years, I don't know if I can be used by God. Well, here's good news for you today. If you've never trusted in Christ, that you can believe on him and that he... Jesus, who has died for your sins, can come into your life and that in him you have been saved and your past has been forgiven because of your hope in Jesus Christ. You have been purified because you have gained Christ's righteousness. But those of us we know who have already trusted in Christ, we know that we've already received this and all we have to do is confess it to the Father who loves us. That the same words of Psalm 51 2, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Brother and sister, that is a prayer that can be answered. So if you're afraid right now that you know that you're in a, a sin that is continuing, that you know that right now, believer, You can call out to him and that you can be cleansed and forgiven and be used by God. We know that it is all uh, that that God cleanses, but we also know that there is a matter of us repenting and turning from sin and trusting and agreeing with God and and his word and living in that way. Brothers and sisters, what is it that you need to purify your heart or your life or your character today? What is it that you need to crucify that you might give over to holiness? The good news is that you have a Savior waiting faithfully to forgive. He wants to use you for his glory, to impact the world, to impact lives with the gospel. To be an approved worker, you need to be someone who purifies themselves. And finally, number three, God's workers are gentle with others that we must have the right message that we must be the right vessel but that we deliver the message rightly god's workers are gentle with others verse 24 to 26 says the lord's servant must not quarrel but must be gentle to everyone Able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who is taking them captive to do his will. This kind of teaching that was going on in the church was very dangerous and heretical. Paul even names the two men who are stirring it up at the church of Ephesus two who have swerved from the truth in promoting error. Still, he instructs Timothy that he must not become quarrelsome, but he must instruct his opponents with kindness and patience and gentleness. Why? Well, he says it down in verse 25, that God might bring them to Repentance. See, brothers and sisters, sometimes we get construed that we're only trying to change somebody else's mind when God really wants to change their heart. And we need to be patient and gentle and loving and kind. See, God's ultimate goal is their salvation, to draw them from the devil's trap. And in this letter, when Paul has been moved from calling Timothy to faithfulness and suffering, to urging his faithfulness in the face of false teaching, but not only to endure these persecutions, opposite from the world, but to steadfast in God's word. And now here's another layer, Paul's telling Timothy, be patient in this. Be kind. Be gentle. Ultimately, the dangers are, yes, from outside of the church, but just as destructive are the dangers from within. And Paul is telling Timothy to be patient and kind because what's happening, Satan is roaming around, snapping people in traps, getting them turned over, getting them into false beliefs, encountering them to what? Do his will instead of doing God's will. And so the greatest challenge to all the faithful ministry is to be patient as you speak the truth of love to someone that God might change their heart and draw them to himself. On the one hand, Paul does not shy away from denouncing false teaching that is heretical. But on the other hand, he admonishes Timothy to deal with this this teaching with patience and gentleness, not with angry spirit. And those of us in the church, and especially those who are pastors, need to remember that while the truth is an infinite value, So are the souls that oppose the gospel. Practically speaking, a gentle spirit typically is more effective than angry denouncements that antagonize and alienate. And a gentle spirit better adorns the gospel. Mark Dever observed of this passage this is a very daunting list for anyone who wants to be a public teacher of Scripture. Consider what it requires. Tenacity without meanness, firmness without harshness, and the ability to both articulately speak and wisely remain silent. This is what a teacher should be like. Actually, this is what all Christians should be like. Utterly resolved to sacrifice themselves for the good of others and the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, what did Jesus say in Matthew 5 in his Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. So many times that we go out trying to win the battle for Jesus and we don't, we forget about the body count that we leave behind. That we're more concerned about being right than we are the right understanding of the gospel and god working i hate to tell you this brother or sister you're not the holy spirit the holy spirit is the one that does the work the holy spirit is the one that changes are we to yes proclaim and teach and rebuke and correct and instruct and do all these things but it's not up to me I mean, that's the, the the frustrating, hard thing of being a pastor. I would like to just, you know, tell you to hitch you upside the head and say, "Stop it," and then you stop it. But I'm not the Holy Spirit, and I can't change you. I can't change others. Only the Holy Spirit can. And we need to be faithful. We need to allow Him to work. Jesus took a high priority of Christians having the character of humility, love, patience, and endurance. We are to speak the truth, but we're supposed to speak it in love. So we'll face attacks, and Paul is telling us that we're to not be distracted, that we're to share the truth and do it in love so that people will, may turn and believe. They may turn and believe. That's why we do it. brother and sister, can you speak the truth in your life, first of all, without being ashamed? Can you speak the truth of the gospel and not recoil because you're concerned about what's going to return back to you? But taking the next step, can you speak the truth about Jesus and the gospel and not be a jerk? Can you speak to someone who, who you can disagree with them? and not label them as an the enemy. Well, brother and sister, if you do, what did Jesus say? Love that enemy, love them so that God may save them. Sarah and I were talking the other day, we were talking about something similar about this and we were talking about how uh, we were reminded about Rosaria Butterfield's story about how she was saved from Christ and her, her lifestyle and, and she uh, re- recounts that, that she, befriended or she she went to this pastor and his wife uh, to learn about christianity to get a snapshot of christianity and this pastor and wife weekly over a long time kept inviting her back to a meal, kept inviting her back to their home, kept inviting, and they would sit at the table and they would would pray even though she didn't even believe or they would read the Bible even though she doesn't understand and they would just befriend her and love her and continually pursue her until through God's word, God brought joy and faith to where she believed on Christ and was saved. This type of atmosphere, are you creating it that others might feel welcome? Do they feel welcomed even though you disagree or you're concerned about their spiritual health? Do you have an avenue or tool of gentleness and love? Brothers and sisters, in this way, you can be a workman and a tool used in the hand of a powerful God. Brother and sister, today, as we've read this scripture together, I pray that you might just need to pray this simple prayer. Lord, find me faithful. Lord, find me faithful. Lord, that I would be equipped to handle the word. That even if I'm I'm at this level right here, God, by your grace, would you... In the next year, let me take another step in my understanding of your word that I might help someone else. Brother, God, I pray that I know that I, I have, I've got a lot to grow in righteousness and, and purity and holiness. And I know, God, that, that you are faithful to me even though when I'm not faithful. And I know that you forgive me even though I don't deserve it. But God, I pray that you help purify me and help me to walk away from sin so that I can be used by you to proclaim the truth of the gospel. That you would pray that God, you would help me be gentle. God, help me be gentle with those I disagree with. Help me to be kind. Help me to endure. Help me to be patient. Help me to love like you love because I know you've been patient and you've been gentle and you've been kind with me. God, find me faithful. Those of you who are aspiring to be pastors or elders, this is a charge to you, that you must be doing these things. But brothers and sisters, all of us as Christians, don't we need to be found faithful? Because God's giving you a ministry wherever you are. Let us pray this. Lord, find me faithful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray and are thankful for these words. I pray, God, that you would help us as we seek to honor you in our lives. Because God, we want to see those around us be saved. We want to see our brothers and sisters in Christ be encouraged in their faith. We want to be used by you, God, in every avenue, whether we're students or workers, whether we're homemakers or whether we're a people of industry, that Lord, that you use us in a mighty way. Heavenly Father, I pray that we are found faithful. I pray that we don't slip into apathy or I pray that we don't, slip into going through the same motions, but instead, God, we seek out to be workmen approved by you. And God, I pray if there's someone here who have stum- or someone who have stumbled across our video today that they would meet, see the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a God who loves them, who sent his son to die for them, and today, by faith, they can be saved. Not by working to be approved, but by receiving the gift of Jesus. We pray this today in Jesus' name, amen.